0: Hello, baseball and umpire fans, and welcome to The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Third episode, really excited to get this going. Last time we had on baseball Saskatchewan, provincial supervisor Scott Mills. Before we get going, let's just do a recap of what happened on that last episode. I'm a point all the way. Ruffles got ridges, man. And he came to work a game the next day and his jock was in a block of ice. So in case you couldn't tell, we had a lot of fun on that episode. If you want to listen to it, you can find it on Podbean and Apple iTunes podcasts. Go in, like it, follow it, share it, comment on it, do what you like. Just keep tuning in because I had a lot of fun doing that and I'm having a lot of fun doing this and I hope you're having a lot of fun listening to us. This week, we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you. We have Saskatchewan native, MILB alumni, and current World Baseball and Softball Confederation umpire, Aaron Roberts. Now, before we get to today's episode, just wanna have a quick, serious conversation with you. It's 2020, and we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Things have changed. Things are different. They're not what we've experienced before. It's mid June, and we are used to getting on the ball diamond by now. We're used to getting out and seeing our friends, our fellow umpires, sharing some laughs, and sharing some stories. Depending on where you live, you've been told to social distance, social isolate, stay to your pods, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is, this pandemic has definitely had an impact on us all, whether we want to admit it or not. That impact is in regards to our mental health. Now, you've probably heard of the term, the new normal. Then if we are going to start fresh and a new normal, let's put mental health and well-being at the top of our list of priorities. It's no secret that mental health and well-being is a priority and it should be a priority. And as umpires, we're already fully aware of it. We've all heard podcasts before and guest speakers talk, especially professional umpires. There's always that question of, how did you get to the next level? What makes you a better umpire or makes somebody a great umpire? And we've all heard situation handling. Well, situation handling is simply coping. How to cope in a stressful situation to get the correct outcome. Well, the equivalent to situation handling in life is how we cope with our own mental health. One way that I've tried to cope throughout this pandemic has been to start this podcast. I've been using it as an avenue to reach out to my friends, share some stories, and share some laughs. Now I know, I've been very fortunate through these times, and I've had some good people to reach out to, lean on, and have some great discussions with. And I want to thank everyone who has lent me their ear. But I also want you to know as a listener, don't be ashamed to reach out if you have to. Don't be ashamed to ask for help And my request is, please don't judge people who do. Now, if you don't know who you could talk to, let's start with this. In Canada, we have a number. It's called the Kids Help Phone. And it's not only for kids. And just so you know, it's a 1-800 number that consists of trained professional counselors to help guide and refer you to services that might be available. So if you need somebody to talk to, don't be ashamed. Give them a call. Their number is one 800 six, six, eight, six, eight, six, eight. That number again is 1-800-668-6868. Now, if you prefer to text, they have an option. Text wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S to 741-741. That number again is 741-741. And if you ever get to the point where you feel your personal safety or well-being is at risk, please do not hesitate and call 911 or go to your local emergency room. Do not be ashamed and do not be scared to reach out for help. There are trained professionals who are out there willing to listen and willing to help. Please remember, you are not alone. Thank you everyone for giving me the opportunity to speak about something that is close to my heart. Now it's time for the reason why you're here. Today's episode, of course. Now to say I'm excited would be an understatement. So I'm ready to get this episode going. So without further ado, weighing in at 156 pounds soaking wet, a brand new homeowner, and a guy that spends 45 minutes combing his hair every day Aaron Roberts. Aaron, welcome to The Leading Edge.
1: Thanks for having me, Phil.
0: Well, Aaron, it's really appreciative that you've come on the show. We're in our third episode. We're getting off the ground. Been working my way up to the big time. And Saskatchewan-wise, you're the big time.
1: Well, I'm just hoping uh, it's not strike three and we're out.
0: Oh, I don't think we have to worry about that, Aaron. I'm the plate umpire and the chief supervisor for this podcast, it's not strike three until I ring him up. You know what? Let's get this show on the road. What we like to do here at The Leading Edge, we always like to start the episode having you share with us where you're from, kind of your background, you know, anything that would get the listeners excited in the first couple minutes. So tell us about your baseball resume, playing, umpiring, all that fun stuff.
1: Sure. Uh, obviously, I uh, born and raised in, in Saskatoon and um, like I guess at a young age, started playing baseball and uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. I was a lefty, couldn't, uh, couldn't pitch. I ended up moving to a catcher position where the pitchers didn't like a, a lefty behind there, it just threw them off. So I ended up wanting to stay involved in the game and, and started umpiring at, at 15, basically as a summer job. And then from there, I, I started to, to really enjoy it and enjoy the people and started moving into higher levels of baseball Saskatchewan and eventually into the national program and, and then uh, ended up moving into a professional career and also uh, some international work. So a total of, I think, I did the math yesterday, uh, going into, I guess, would have been year 18 this year.
0: Well, that's interesting. 18 years at it. You must have blown a lot of calls in that time. But you know what they say, bad players make good umpires. So the old adage seems to add up. Now, you mentioned that you worked baseball in Saskatchewan and part of the Baseball Canada umpire program before you went to minor league baseball. Can you share with us how that made you a better umpire before you got there and some of that story?
1: Yeah, um, 18 years ago, but I think it was roughly around 2006 was kind of the first year I, I took a crack at writing my Level 4 exam and uh, got to make the trip down to Moostra, which was where uh, for years we had our, our Level 4 super clinic. It was kind of a central location for everyone from around the province to, to gather. Travel time wasn't terrible for, for most and really got a sense of like how much you needed to learn and how much more I could do to get better as an umpire uh, at at my first crack at it like you you just didn't realize I realized how much I didn't know even at that at that level well that's fair it's
0: a big step coming from the grassroots program into the national program there's always that big leap rule knowledge even say pressure that's put on umpires your history proves that you've been able to withstand some of that pressures and progress to different levels so, you went to Moose Jaw. What year did you officially go to umpire school? And what school or where did you go?
1: So, my first year would have been in, in 2007. I guess I just got out of university. No, I didn't get out of university. <laughs> what? <that>. It,
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I'm starting to question everything. You didn't go to university, but you just got out of it. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the University of Phoenix online? <laughs> no, but uh, maybe I should have. So 2007, wasn't going to university, just working in a warehouse and hauling drywall and decided to, to go to umpire school. Obviously, five course down in, in Florida. What school did you go to? Oh, I, uh, I guess I'd be a, a, a Wendell Stat guy. The reason, realistically, that I chose Wendelstad is they, they looked like they had a really good program online. And um, I guess the year prior, a well-known uh, umpire from this province, do Sherwater actually had just gone to that school as well. So we did talk about the differences and why he chose to go to that school, and I i thought uh, it made a good option for me to, to go there as well.
0: So it's 2007, you go to umpire school. For anyone who follows umpire school's we know it's not easy to necessarily get hired the first time you go. Did you get hired to the MILB the first time you went?
1: No, I didn't. And so, class ranges on any given year to, to be about 100, 120 students. They take the top 25 students. And in 2017, I was, wasn't quite ready, I guess you could say, or I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I was kind of on the bubble of the 25. And so, when they, they sat me down, they sat sit everyone down and kind of give you a debrief on how your, your five weeks went. And they, they basically told me, take what you've learned from this five weeks, go back home, work the best baseball you can, and work a bunch of it, and keep on working on what you learned in this, this five weeks, and then we want you to come back and for another year.
0: Well, it sounds like you got the classic, you're on the bubble, kid. Come back next year. Most people think that umpiring in the major leagues is a straight line you get there it's no problem but it's more of a roller coaster how did you take the news of asking to to come back the next year so that you could potentially jump on that roller coaster of minor baseball the next year
1: so i guess i kind of mentioned it briefly but i mean obviously i was a little disappointed i I didn't i didn't make it Uh, but i also knew that the best way to to go back and, and make it and potentially get a job in in my league baseball was to work as much as I can focus every, every game, every inning, every pitch, take feedback from, from experienced guys in our province. uh, Cause we definitely didn't have a lack of experience in our province that you couldn't learn from. So uh, I think that's, those were some of the key things I tried to to focus on before going back.
0: So obviously you were committed to it. You'd made the decision you're going back a second year. You're putting that effort in. What type of baseball, locally here in the province, did you work during that time?
1: Obviously, got into the the minor ball and would work Bantam AAA, A, or I guess uh, 15U now, 18U, the the local senior league, and uh, the I guess WBM, WWMBL, Western Major Baseball League. Yeah. I guess the, the now the now Baseball Western Canadian Baseball League. The name Fair changes. Way. Yeah, the, name, me off. the name's changed Need a changes. couple of
0: times. <laughs> for a quick, quick synopsis, the WCBL, Western Canadian Baseball League, that's out here in Western Canada, is a summer collegiate baseball league. Listening to you, I think it's really interesting that you have said you came back and worked 15 U AAA to apply what you learned at professional baseball umpire school. If this, if this is a message for everyone listening, it's to take every pitch in every league you do seriously because you don't know where that's going to get you.
1: Yeah, and just to, to speak to that a bit, it, um, it doesn't matter if you're on a, a ninety, a ninety-foot diamond, or I can't remember what fifteen U is, but it's a little smaller. The, the mechanics, <laughs> the mechanics, the are the same. the The footwork's still the same. You can still get better on any size diamond.
0: There you have it, folks. You can still get better on any size diamond. You go back to Wendell Stat.
1: Yeah. Went back uh, the next year. Didn't even blink an eye. Just felt like I had good momentum and wanted to keep, keep rolling with that.
0: We know. You got into MILB or minor league baseball, as they call it. Let's go from there. What leagues did you work there?
1: So, I guess, 2018, we, I guess you start off going to an evaluation camp. And the evaluation camp consists of 25 from Harry's and then uh, 25 from, at the time, would have been the Jim Evans Academy. And uh, so you go through a two-week course there. Uh, the, the supervisors or your, your bosses are there watching you, evaluating you. And then after those two weeks, they give out assignments and based on uh, how many job openings there are. So right after getting hired there, I, uh, I got put into the Gulf Coast League. Where is that? Florida. For Florida. Hot Florida. Hot Florida. Never know when you're going to get a... Twelve o'clock rain delay. <laughs> the Gulf Coast League is that
0: an entry league or is it more advanced?
1: So the Gulf Coast League would be a, I guess, rookie ball. One of the two rookie ball leagues. The other one's being in Arizona, and you're you're basically working out of the spring training facilities, camps, or their back backfield ballparks.
0: The, the major league affiliates
1: camps. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it's a very very developmental league. Players, coaches, umpires are all really new to to professional baseball.
0: And it's, from my readings of it, it's a lot of midday games, isn't it? With no spectators, very little atmosphere. It's simply baseball at its purest, just baseball.
1: Just just baseball. A lot of uh, extra players charting stats and video taking and lots of learning uh, is basically what it comes down to. 12 o'clock games, which... You know, those could be rough in Florida in the middle of the summer, and Arizona definitely gets hot. So, um, but overall, you're there to there to learn.
0: Putting your dues in. So you work mm. the, you work the Gulf Coast League. Where do you go to next?
1: So I was fortunate. I worked in the Gulf Coast League for about two weeks.
0: Oh, and the, I- all that work in Moose Jaw <laughs> got you out of there some quick. They knew you came straight from Moose Jaw, <laughs> and we're like. Two weeks max in the Gulf Coast League. <laughs> this guy's going
1: somewhere. Yeah, I I, I don't know how uh, how I managed to squeeze that out, but um, may, I mean maybe working some higher level ball um, helped me helped me I guess rank out a little better from the evaluation camp, and uh, so I got to I got to move into the Northwest League after two weeks and uh, start working in front of uh, some some real crowds.
0: So you go from southeastern United States all the way up. Now into Northwestern United States and a little bit closer to home, yeah, and into Vancouver because tr- Vancouver has a minor affiliate or did at one time, didn't they?
1: Yes, yeah, the the Canadians, uh, they're they're actually still uh, still up there, yeah. still I think trucking along pretty good. So,
0: and just for all you Blue Jays fans, they are an affiliate.
1: Yep, yep, Blue Jays affiliate for sure.
0: Well, just so you know, you're not the only one with minor league baseball experience. I've umpired former Vancouver Canadian Andrew Case when he played fifteen and eighteen U baseball. Okay, Aaron, back to you. Sorry, I took the spotlight. You were talking. You worked the Northwest League. Do you have a favorite town from that league?
1: Oh, absolutely. the uh, The league runs all the way down, like through Oregon and uh, through Boise, and then right on up into uh, to Vancouver. So, obviously, being uh, Canadian, I think uh, anytime you Uh, can work in your home country and uh, represent your country. It's uh, pretty tough not to be proud.
0: And it's rather interesting too, because in minor league baseball, don't umpires wear an American flag on their uniform?
1: Yeah. So this was back when the Navy, the Navy shirts were still uh, a thing. I just bombed it in my mouth. Sorry. (laughs) You know what? They weren't that bad. I, I think maybe, uh, You know, the red, the red plate, the red plate shirts might have been uh, a little worse. But I guess getting back to the the uniform we used to wear, there was no logo on the front, just the American flag in the back. And then we'd have our caps uh, that had the league initials on it. So Northwest League, NWL. And I guess you need to picture before the game starts, the national anthem is played. And so we're lined up at home plate. With the catcher and all the players. And so all the fans can see umpires with the American flag right. on the backs of their jersey. And I think up in Vancouver, the GM must have been maybe catching some flack from maybe the fans or asking questions like, why, why are they wearing American flags? Why, like, they're working in Canada. Why not have a Canadian flag?
0: We're proud of our Canadian heritage up here, people.
1: Yeah. And so the. It just so happened to be, I think, the first time I got up into Vancouver, the GM had come in and said, hey, here's some flags, because we would check in with the GM before the series starts. He's like, here's some Canadian flags. We have a tailor set up for you. Can you please go get these put on before before the start of the series? All the umpires are going to wear these this year. They got approval from the league president to do it. And so uh, definitely remember coming out uh, for game one, year one of professional baseball and hearing the uh, Canadian national anthem playing, just put the maple leaf on the back. It's pretty tough not to like almost start shedding a tear. It was a, it was a pretty memorable moment.
0: Well, you're a pretty emotional guy, so I can see that. So you're in the Northwest league. Where do you move to after that?
1: So I finished 2009 in, in the Northwest. And then I uh, come back in, 2010, and go to the South Atlantic League, which is now a, a full-season uh, A-ball, so 140 games in a, in a year, versus 70 in short-season Northwest League.
0: You worked 140 games in one season?
1: That's just the regular season, too.
0: That Spring is 100 tri- games more than I want to do. Good for you. You deserve a participation, Ribbon.
1: Uh, it's a lot, it, and especially in a two-umpire system. You get a lot of uh, experience working the plate. Two-man system just becomes, like, natural. Like, See, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to think about it.
0: You get a lot of opportunities to miss that low outside strike. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> lots, lots of opportunities to miss it and lots of opportunities to... Uh, redeem yourself. To redeem yourself, yeah.
0: <laughs> so 2010, you're in the South Atlantic League. How was it?
1: It was great. You start, uh, you start to get a, a real good picture of what working a full schedule looks like, uh, what the expectations are, um, I, I guess, as far as what you need to do traveling, what you need to do mentally pre- to prepare every night to, to umpire. And, uh, you know, the, the East Coast in the state, they really love their baseball. So you're, now you're starting to get into some nicer uh, stadiums. And you're starting to get some crowds in front of you. And you're starting to really feel that that energy of working uh, professional baseball.
0: Yeah, the energy in the South Atlantic League must be a lot different than the energy of a 15 U game in Moose Jaw. But after the South Atlantic League, where do you head to next?
1: Now we're getting into 2011. Stay on the East Coast in the Carolina League. Kind of self-explains where it is in the in the U.S. Mostly, most of the teams are in the North South Carolina area and adjoining states, I suppose.
0: Some nice cities and towns, I bet, are in that part of the country.
1: Yeah, it's actually um, that area or that region of uh, the states really gave me a smaller town vibe, uh, very like y Reminded me a lot of uh, a lot like home, for sure. I actually, I actually always say like if I was uh if I was gonna live anywhere I think I that might be one of the top spots I would I would choose in the states just because uh you're still close to lots of big towns and it's like you still get the small town uh vibes I guess
0: excellent do you have a favorite town then from that whole experience
1: uh that league had a lot of good towns um Greenville South Carolina was a was a really cool place to work. It was a, uh, a Red Sox affiliate. Boo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we got to stay down downtown in the hotel. Uh, you could walk to the park. And it, uh, it was actually a new park at the time. And they had uh, built it downtown. And it was a mini, uh, a mini Fenway Park.
0: It's pretty interesting they have a mini Fenway Park because Fenway Park is already a mini field within Major League Baseball. Now, besides from the field, one of the things I picked up on that you said is that you stayed in a hotel. I always thought umpiring in the minor leagues was about living the motel lifestyle. Can you fill us in about that?
1: You know, we uh, we stayed in less of them for sure. Um, we actually were fortunate enough to negotiate into our our contract. I think the year before that, we we basically had to be set up in in hotels with interior entrances, so the old shady motels and that were, were becoming a thing of, the, thing of the past.
0: Well, that's fancy. Who would have thought interior entrances would have been a luxury? So, after the Carolina Leagues, where do you head next?
1: So the next uh, league is 2012, and I moved all the way across the, the country to the California League, which would be, I can't remember if it's eight. 10 teams now, but all in California. Um, and still surprisingly, you get, you get some long drives. You don't realize how big the state is until uh, you got to go from Northern California down to, down to L.A.
0: Yeah, California is huge. It is, doesn't get the respect, I think, it deserves. And when I mean, you see it in majors, you get San Francisco and Oakland up there in the north, and then you get into L.A. and San Diego. It's fast because I think San Diego to San Francisco is something like 800 kilometers.
1: Not to mention the traffic can be terrible too. Add that to your driving time.
0: It's not like cruising down Idlewild or East Street there in Saskatoon?
1: No, and after 15 minutes, I get, I get grouchy sitting in traffic.
0: Okay, so you do the California League. Do you go anywhere after that?
1: No, so 2012 and the, the California League, I actually, so entering into my fifth year, I uh, only worked half the season that year and uh, actually retired at the, at the All-Star break.
0: So you make the decision to retire. Let's look at it as a whole. What was your favorite town or experience throughout your whole minor league career?
1: Well, I've already mentioned a couple. Uh, you know, Vancouver, Greenville. I was told my favorite city was Lynchburg, Lynchburg. Uh, uh, Virginia.
0: How do you get told it's your favorite city?
1: <laughs> uh, that actually would be because uh, uh, my wife, my the wifey, uh, that's where I met her, was in, uh, was in Lynchburg. She was uh, actually part of the sales team uh, at the hotel that got the contract to, to have the umpires stay there when we were in Lynchburg working. So the love of baseball
0: brought you to the States to umpire minor league baseball? and you bring your love back to Canada. That's awesome. Isn't that what baseball is all about? Love people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic.
0: Now, you spent multiple years in minor league baseball. Do you remember any of the players who might be in the MLB right now that you came up with?
1: I'm sure there's a ton of them. Uh, But to be honest, I I just never paid a lot of attention to names on the cards. Um, Probably just because... Especially when you're like you're working the plate, or you got a plate job that night, you're focused on on what you got to do to call balls and strikes that night. So, right. Um, I know. Uh, I guess just a couple I can remember from it, more interactions on the field. I guess as a base umpire, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan shoop, I think, or Scope shoop, I'm probably saying that wrong.
0: I'm not going to try to say it any differently because I can't either.
1: Uh, Machado was also on that same team and uh always had to look out for for Billy Hamilton when he was with the with the Reds because he uh he'd steal he'd steal bases left, right, and center, and you'd have to be on your toes to uh basically be able to anticipate those plays and, and when they're gonna happen. But I mean, this is a umpiring podcast, Phil.
0: Yeah, that it is. That it is.
1: Um, you know, we, we probably give them way too many plugs on this on this podcast, but uh, my first year in in minor league baseball, when I did get bumped up to the Northwest League, we were I was actually working with Stu uh, or got to work in the same league as Stu. So we'd uh, when we cross paths uh, on travel days, we'd uh, we'd hit up an olive garden or, or something like that and have a lunch.
0: So for all you guys listening, this is called The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpires. But it's unofficially the Stu Shearwater Fan Club podcast. And Mr. Roberts here is talking about Stu Shearwater. Regina, Saskatchewan (laughs) native. And the time they shared all-you-can-eat breadsticks and salad at an olive garden in small-town Oregon, USA. Besides Stu, is there any MLB umpires that you might have went to school with or worked the same league with that you can remember?
1: I was, uh, I guess, the one that would be doing, like, call-up that was specifically in my uh, in my class uh be nick marley he's uh he's got a few few mlb games under his belt uh now and he's uh he's he's definitely getting a look right now and then um um didn't go to school with them weren't in my class but uh you know nick Lentz and uh, Gabe morales were uh, the same year so uh, nice. you know had had some run ins with them during spring and things like that
0: Well, it's nice to see that the class of 2007 wasn't a complete wash. And some of the boys are still making some money umpiring. Now, you say you retire at the All-Star break in 2013, right? Correct. Yep. Okay, so you come home. You know, it's a big culture shock. You're still umpiring when you come back, right? I can remember one of the first times I met you. It was on a baseball diamond in Saskatoon, and at the time it was called the Western Major Baseball League, WMBL. We're both umpiring a Saskatoon Yellow Jackets game at the time. They're no longer in the league. And you show up, and you get ready for your game, and I'm like, oh, this guy was in the minors. like He's going to be good. I was excited. I'm new to Saskatchewan, so I'm getting to it. I remember going out to the game, and I think we're in the third inning. You're on the dish, and I'm working first base in a three-umpire system and start coach starts beacon and i'm laughing because i'm like this is going to be interesting and i'm new to this league and i'm not trying to get involved with anything i'm just trying to get my feet wet
1: oh no oh Oh, no
0: oh yeah i know where you're going with this oh yeah i'm gonna go there i'm gonna tell this story so we're we're doing this game and all of a sudden out of the nowhere i hear from the dugout in a real high-pitched voice you're brutal you're never going anywhere now, there was a few more obscenities that came out of the dugout, but this is a PG-ish show, so we'll keep it that way. Being new to the league, all I can remember is thinking, wow, they have high expectations of their umpires in this league. If they have a recent minor league retiree who's brutal by the third inning. Now, Aaron, can you remember that game at all?
1: I, I can't remember the, the exact circumstances. Um, you
0: missed that low outside corner pitch. We've always well, we talked about it,
1: Trevor Drury, But if he ever listens to this podcast, he, he'd get the reference. It's it was those were strikes in, in a ball. So, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I think, like you said, third inning and uh, kind of getting settled in and adjusted to to the league. I don't know. Maybe I might have been a little tight. I guess probably. I I don't know what. To, yeah, I don't know. That's probably what was happening. The etiquette like threw me off real bad. Uh, just the, the interaction and how it like happened so quick. And uh, I remember him, yeah, shouting, you're brutal or whatever from the top of the dugout. And then we just stared at each other for <laughs> what felt like five minutes. Yeah. And um, then we uh, he obviously just wasn't going to leave it alone, so I just ejected him.
0: Yeah, you biffed him. That's for <laughs> sure. He <laughs> comes flying out of the dugout, and I can remember this. Coach's name at the time... <laughs> for all you listening, was Bryn Biancalana. If you worked the Western League for any amount of time at that time, you definitely knew him. His claim to fame is his father, Buddy Biancalana, won the World Series back in 85 with the Royals and became a guest on the David Letterman show after David Letterman compared Buddy's hits to that of Pete Rose, who at the time was chasing 4,000 hits. So there was a Buddy Biancalana counter... Let's get going. You biff him. He comes flying out of the dugout and you guys go face to face. And I remember being new to this and thinking this guy can handle it himself. I'm going to leave him alone.
1: Well, thanks. Thanks for that, Phil. Thanks for uh, just, you know, hanging me out to dry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I have no problem taking credit when somebody else does the work and I'll let everyone else do their own thing when it's time.
1: I was just going to say, you know, obviously, uh, coming back from, I guess, minor league baseball, there, there is a certain like, level of um, showmanship, I guess, when, when you do the uh, ejection side of things. Uh, so like the argument that part there didn't obviously bother me. There was point. nine uh, fans at this game. What showmanship <laughs> was there needed? <laughs> sellout. It was a sellout. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but, uh, you know, also, like, retrospect, thinking about it, um, you know, I, I probably could have handled it better um, you know, but at the time being 24, blood running through your veins, I guess, at, at the time. So, but again, another way, way to learn and get better at handling situations.
0: I just want to state for the seven hot dog vendors, two fans, and 50 50 seller, and three umpires, it was awesome. So, you leave minor league baseball, you come back. Do you rejoin the baseball Canada umpire program?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of technically didn't ever leave. I still paid my, like, my dues to stay as an active member, I guess. Like a, I don't know. There's a fee you pay, you stay active. But I uh, came back, started working baseball in there again. was actually a level four from before I left for MO. And so back into 2013, uh, I, I did get to go to my, my first national championship.
0: What was that? Where?
1: Uh, it's senior national, London, Ontario.
0: Can you remember anyone that was there, your supervisors, your crew? Yeah, I,
1: uh, you know, I remember being super nervous.
0: Dude, you just got back from minor league baseball. What were you nervous about?
1: Well, uh, I guess a few things. One, the Baseball Canada program, you, you generally uh, start at a Pee Wee, or sorry, a 13U, a 15U, and kind of work your way up. I just got thrown into the mix. Right. Um, you know, it's baseball Canada's premier national tournament for, for the most part, I think in the country. So obviously nervous about um, the perception, I guess, of that and, and what some of my peers would think, obviously. Also the, uh, my supervisors were Corey Davis, Ron Struchuck and Jim Cressman. Those and so, three?
0: That's Okay, Corey's been to the World Baseball Classic, I believe. Yep. And Shuchuk and Cressman have each been to the Olympics. <laughs> Holy, I can see why you're nervous. What a supervisor crew. <laughs> Keep going.
1: Yeah, two Olympians and a and a world championship under, you know, under their belts.
0: And here you umpired in Moose Jaw, then Lynchburg.
1: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't know. I didn't know Kressman, but obviously. But knew he went to the Olympics, you know, and knew Ron had gone to an Olympic, uh, an event too. So one, I, I know, I remember like even being back 16, 17 thinking it'd be really cool if you could do an Olympics. Like that's like, that's so cool. So I already kind of look up to those guys, already received a lot of mentorship from Ron at super clinics. Uh, Mr. Davis obviously was in Saskatoon at, at one point, uh, for a few years and, uh, as I got into like senior baseball and that kind of took me under his wing and, and uh, mentored mentored me and shared all sorts of knowledge. All three of them, you know, had some sort of influence basically on helping me out throughout my career.
0: That's nice. Is that your only championship?
1: Uh, I, did, uh, I did get another opportunity in 2016 to, uh, to do another senior national in Fredericton.
0: Oh, Fredericton. I've umpired at that field. Royals Field. I can imagine that that tournament was a sellout. Lots of action there. It's a small, tiny field, sits on top of the hill, and a lot of home runs hit out of that field, especially by former major leaguer Matt Stairs. Connie, in preparing for the podcast, I knew that you might bring up the Fredericton reference. At this time, I want to say hi to a fellow umpire from New Brunswick who didn't umpire at that tournament, but worked in another capacity as the official scorer by the name of Don Estey. You know what, Don? I want to say hi, but I can't say hi to Don without saying hi to his wife, Helen. Two big baseball supporters in New Brunswick.
1: Just just to add to that, Phil, they, they do a really good job at, at hosting there. It's uh, like the whole community is involved. Definitely like, you get, like a, you get a minor league feel there when, uh, when you're working there and the hometown's playing.
0: It's a baseball community for sure. Do you remember who your crew or your supervisors were at that tournament?
1: Yeah, that, that year we, uh, we were in a crew. Uh, I worked with uh, John Jr. Thompson and uh, Mike McHale uh, Bullini. Uh, we, were, we were on a crew together. So, And supervisors that year were uh, uh, Trevor Greaves, uh, Bucky, and uh, Eric, uh, well, I'm going to mispronounce his last name again, but uh, Ginther. Gauthier? Gauthier. French is not my first accent or <laughs> language.
0: Yeah. But okay, you say Bucky. Who's Bucky?
1: That'd be David uh, Buckingham. Basically, well, he is a walking uh, Baseball Canada legend.
0: Where's Bucky from?
1: Uh, Newfoundland.
0: I had to ask because anytime we get a chance to plug Newfoundland, that's our mandate. So you go to Fredericton, you work in the National Championship. What do you remember most about that tournament?
1: Obviously, the guys we worked with—you um, know—we had a really good crew. Uh, we got along well, and you know, went and had dinners together. And uh, even at the end of the tournament, I remember, like maybe for a couple exceptions of guys that her- had early flights, um, we all ended up in telling stories, having a couple pops, and just genuinely like genuinely hanging out with everyone and enjoying uh, enjoying the time we had. You know. Fair. That is a fantastic. opportunity about being part of the baseball Canada umpire program is getting together
0: at these championships and just meeting people from around the country that share similar interests now he's not going to say it people because he doesn't want to brag but Aaron did do the gold medal plate at that tournament but we won't let him sit there and gloat in his glory we're going to move on to some of his other accolades you go to t12 because we know that you work rural baseball softball games now so the pathway in Canada is to go through the t12 program these days you get your first WBSC assignment. Where is it?
1: So that happened in 2017 and uh, got to work again in the home country, uh, Thunder Bay, Canada.
0: Was it everything you
1: expected? Yeah, it, uh, it was probably more than what I expected. I you know didn't know what the level of ball was going to be like. I, I didn't know what the atmosphere was going to be like, but it's... Uh, it's such a great experience to umpire with different umpires from different parts of the world. There's a lot of similarities. Like it's still a, it's still a a family. It's still a group of umpires that have a common things together, but then you throw in the, uh, the wrench of like some language barriers and, uh, it just makes it a super unique experience. So you go to
0: that tournament, were there any other Canadian umpires there?
1: Yeah, there was, uh, Quite a few of us actually. Um, man, I just hope I hope I don't miss anybody. But like you know, there was obviously Elmer, Trevor from from Saskatchewan, myself. Rob Allen uh, was on there. We had Darren Scott, uh, Chris Wilhelm was there. Uh, Higgins, uh, Andrew Higgins out of uh, Alberta. Yeah, I think Winnipeg. he's there now. Yeah, he, yeah he was there as a supervisor. So. Yeah, a lot of good opportunities for for Saskatchewan umpires and, and Canadian umpires at that tournament.
0: Post show edit, he forgot to mention Keith McConkie was also there representing Canada. Now back to the show. Highlight of that tournament?
1: Again, I, I you know, it's it always comes back to like interacting with with the the umpires and, and the people for you know, is always what you remember. Um I guess also got to work, uh, work second base at the gold medal game, which was, which was a lot of fun. Place was packed. Uh, good, really good environment in Thunder Bay for, for baseball.
0: Now I'll tell you, I really enjoyed watching that tournament. That was one of the first tournaments that were available regularly on YouTube. And I was on parental leave at the time, so I got to spend most of my days evaluating you just like Higgins did. I was probably tougher. But it was a really great tournament to watch. and. Good time of year to watch it too.
1: I remember coming in, coming into the locker room, and probably be a, a text from Phil waiting there, being like, "Yeah, yeah, missed that. You missed that low outside pitch again."
0: I'm starting to see a pattern. <laughs> so that's not your only WBSC resume. What else do you got there?
1: Uh, after that, actually, uh, this is the most recent event, I guess, in 2019. I was uh, selected to go work Premier 12 the International World Championship for, for baseball and for WBSC.
0: You got something special here. Where were you sent?
1: So this is a, it's a really unique tournament, um, and it's, it's literally a, a global tournament. So the tournament started in three pools in Mexico, uh, Chinese Taipei, and Japan. So they started me off in Pool A in Guadalajara, Mexico.
0: So you go to Mexico for a little bit. How many games do you do there?
1: Uh, so we worked roughly, uh, I think there was a total of six or seven games in that pool. And after that, we had a few days off, which was, uh, which was needed because we had a, a long flight um, after that pool was completed over to, to Japan.
0: Mexico to Japan. Now I assume Japan's the first time you've left North America to umpire.
1: Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, first, first experience out of North America. It's a uh, different, different experience.
0: How was it different?
1: So we were actually in in Tokyo, and uh, the majority of the games took place in in the Tokyo Dome. So first of all, I guess forty thousand people in in the stadium. Uh, whenever Japan's there, they 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 have like a party there. The game's like a party. The atmosphere is just nonstop cheering and and when the offensive team or when japan's up to bat they have songs that they they sing for each batter and it's um it's loud in there you can hear the vibrations in the stadium just totally different than i think what you're used to seeing in uh north american environment
0: because the tokyo dome is really yankee stadium to japanese ball players
1: yeah and they're they're super passionate about their baseball They follow it.
0: It's baseball. It's a sport. How can you not (laughs) love the game? Now, it's 2019. You're at this tournament. Technology has definitely improved over the years. I got a screenshot. We're going to try to put it in the comments. (laughs) You got challenged. Yeah. What was it like to be challenged? Because I bet you didn't expect that when you were umpiring all those years ago in Moose Jaw, did
1: you? (laughs) Uh, No, and... uh... I don't even know how you prepare for it. But yeah, I had to play at uh, second base where really weird situation. Runner from first tags up and decides on a fly ball, decides to go for second. And wasn't really thinking about replay, but just relying on my my instincts and my training and uh, saw saw the guy kind of pull his hand back and swim the tag and, and, and get in there and call safe. I can just remember instantly being like, I knew what I saw, but then right away, the thought popped into my head. They're going to challenge that tough to describe it, um, but. I think no matter what, I think it's just like a little bit of doubt kind of pops into your head whenever someone challenges the call. And um, luckily, I I, I won that challenge. Um, And, you know, but at the end of the day as well, I think replay is there to help us get things right and it actually really is going to help diffuse a lot of situations and arguments in the game. So it's a, it's overall, it's a good thing. Uh, in my opinion.
0: Okay. This is an umpire podcast. We can brag a little bit. How did it feel to get it right?
1: <laughs> it, it felt good for, you know, it, it really feels good, especially the first one, you know,
0: got to get that first one under your belt and mm, you're a pro by now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Nowhere, nowhere close. <laughs>
0: Okay, now that you've been on the WBSC circuit for a while, establishing yourself, do you have any goals as an umpire?
1: Absolutely. I think as long as you, or as long as I continue umpiring, uh, I, you have to set goals. You, you know, they, they keep you motivated, keep you working, keep you focused. So obviously I, I want to keep uh, working uh, WBSC events uh, in the future. Um, I mean, maybe some lofty goals, but um, obviously maybe an Olympics if the opportunity presents itself or a world baseball uh, classic, but then like shorter term, I'm getting more involved in teaching uh, level one clinics, level two clinics. I'm currently working on my, uh, starting to work on my senior course conductor uh, pathway, which is going to like help me give back to to the program and give back to, to umpiring in, in general. So I mean, teaching is a really good way, one, to stay up to date on rules um, and what's in the rule book. And uh, it's also uh, rewarding to to give back to, to the program, uh, especially with how much the guys that helped me out gave back or gave to me. So,
0: Well, first, I'd like to say good luck in your future goals as an active umpire. And I guess second is thanks for trying to give back and working to better the Baseball Canada Development Program. because. Without guys like you've mentioned who have helped you, we need guys like you to groom the next group. It's cyclical. It's generational. It's about passing down that knowledge. So thank you very much for looking to get involved. Now, this ties in really nicely with the next section of the show that we like to do here on The Leading Edge. It's called Local Legends. Do you have a local legend that you want to thank, send a shout out to, or just share a quick story about
1: uh, could, it, could it be local legends? Sure. Potentially. The more the merrier. Um, you know, I, I, I think just Saskatchewan in general has a, uh, has a strong base of senior umpires that always wanted to give back to the program. And it started before I even was an umpire. Uh, you always heard stories about like the Len Bells, the Ed Bryants, the Lou Slotsfees. Those guys trained uh, you know, a generation that helped mentor me. Um, but they specifically... You know, Paul Cobiella and and Lou were there, like, year one, uh, telling me to turn my hat around, put it on forwards. You were a backwards hat wearer? Game one, uh, yeah, old Easton hat on backwards. (laughs) Um, You know, so those guys helped me a lot on early on. And uh, then I got into some (laughs) mid-level minor baseball in Saskatoon and, like, uh, Colin Spence. Uh, definitely was somebody who uh, would always give you an opportunity to work the next level of baseball. You knew he was there to to help you when when you made a mistake. Not if, but when, because he'd put you into um, you know eighteen U Western Canadian League or uh, Western baseball when you're sixteen, seventeen years old. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know as I got into the national program, uh, Day- Corey Davis, again, like I mentioned earlier, was uh, a big help in, in my development as well.
0: So you named six or seven guys, but none of them could help you with the low outside corner.
1: S- still working on that one.
0: Umpiring, it's always about improving. You're only as good as the last missed call. Now, Aaron, we're going to go into the next section of the show. We're almost done, but one of the sections people like listening to is 10 questions, okay? I'm going to ask you 10 questions and I just really want you to rattle off the first answer that comes to mind. If I like your answer and agree with it, you're going to hear a... It's a boxing bell. And if I'm whatever with it, an old car horn, okay? So you ready to get this going?
1: I'm, uh, I'm ready to get this rolling. Hopefully it doesn't turn into a lengthy debate.
0: Really only depends if... I don't like your answers. Okay. You're working the bases. Do you wear high top or low top shoes?
1: Always, always been a low cut.
0: I'm a high top. I don't know why, but I don't agree with you.
1: I think maybe as I get older, I might need the ankle support. So I might maybe try a pair out in the future.
0: You're an ankle skater. So shouldn't you need need high top shoes too? (laughs) So you're about to board a plane, okay? Are you picking Air Canada or WestJet? WestJet. Yeah, we like WestJet. I like WestJet Plus. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: That's how I get to go on my vacation is my points.
0: All about the points. You've been offered a concert, okay? Now, I love listening to a piano, especially live. Are you picking an Elton John concert or a Billy Joel concert? Elton John. Now, Billy didn't start the fire, but Elton will always be a rocket man. <laughs> Reach in your pocket. Do you have an iPhone or an Android? iPhone. He's such a millennial. but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do with, with anything else. I'd be lost. It's plug and play. It's awesome. <laughs> You've ordered a big plate of French fries, okay? If you haven't noticed, I like food and I like umpiring, so I try to mix the two together as much as I can. But back to it, you've ordered a big plate of French fries. You get ketchup. Do you dip your fries in the ketchup? Or do you slather the ketchup all over the fries?
1: There's a mountain, a mountain of ketchup in the corner, and I dunk it.
0: Your new nickname should be the Big Dipper. You're watching movies. Are you picking Chuck Norris or Jackie Chang? Jackie Chan. Too many games, the Tokyo Dome. Chuck Norris, man. The guy is invincible.
1: But Jackie Chan did his own stunts, didn't he? Well, they probably both did their own stunts.
0: Yeah, but Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris. Dude's a legend. He was Walker, Texas Ranger. You picking Subway or Quiznos?
1: Oh, Subway. For sure.
0: I don't have a Quiznos out here where I live in the rural part of the world. But... All you can dabble in honey mustard is exciting. So, but I settle for Subway if I had to. You're working the plate. Do you wear sunglasses or no sunglasses on a nice day?
1: No sunglasses.
0: Where's the style? You need style points.
1: I have a hard enough time with that low outside pitch. I, I just can't have anything obstructing my view. Well, I thought you'd get a prescription pair or something. Uh, i need a better uh a better health care plan probably to get those covered
0: (laughs) (laughs) they didn't have that in the minors those days right (laughs) minimal (laughs) outside of stew who is your favorite mlb umpire feel free to say jim wolf i love that guy
1: (laughs) maybe i'll have to say mark wagner maybe
0: it's a personal preference. I can't rag on you, but if you would have said Jim Wolf, I would have hit the button a
1: second time. Guys, yeah, guns I... are huge. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think uh, Wagner, I think it just like was, I don't know, I just like, I like the way he looked behind the plate. You know, I kind of wanted to try and emulate that sometimes is what I kind of went for.
0: He's your guy. Nothing I can yeah. say. I can't take it away from you. He's your man. I heard you built a new house. True or false? Did you have to expand on a closet before you even moved in?
1: True. Definitely true.
0: Like, how do you build a house and need to expand the closet before you even move in?
1: Stylish family here uh, the Roberts household, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, we're doing this over Google Meets people and he's sitting in the closet right now. I am <laughs> just, I'm impressed with the amount of clothes that this guy has. If you're cold, give Roberts a call up. He'll FedEx you a sweater. <laughs> or, or looking at some of it, most of it looks like cardigans. Okay, that's 10 questions, but I got one more question that I was kind of sharing and wasn't really going to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. You go to Premier 12, you're a right. Canadian. Your background probably involves some type of hockey, am I correct?
1: I, uh, I yep, yeah, played hockey all the way through to, to through high school.
0: Okay, so you have a hockey background. Were you a goalie?
1: Actually, defenseman.
0: Defenseman. So you've probably been deked out once or twice in your life.
1: <laughs> Guys may have gotten around once in a while, yeah.
0: Is it true that you got deked out at the World Premier 12 tournament by a catcher?
1: Well, I don't know if I'd call it deked out. Um, you know, I, I tried to keep uh keep my hips square and tried to, you know, steer them off into the boards to the corner. <laughs> So being your number one
0: fan, we're sitting back here in Canada, 16 or 17 hours ahead or behind, I don't know, and we're watching the game, and the catcher somehow takes off for the back stop, and the announcers go, something's going on down there between the catcher and the umpire Aaron Roberts from Canada, and you got this big grin on your face like you just ripped a big stinky fart. (laughs) Do you
1: remember that situation? Yeah, I I can't remember who was on base or how many outs and stuff. It's not um, important. What was going on? It was like a routine uh, foul ball. And the catcher and I both read it as potentially catchable in foul territory. The catcher realized that it was out of play before I did. And just going off of my training, you're always taught to like, watch the catcher, watch the catcher, and pivot. And so he decided to have a little bit of fun with me uh long after the ball was out of play and just kept running me back to the almost to the to their dugout pretending like he was going to go catch the ball and then by time I by time I clued into what was happening <laughs> I was practically in the uh the on deck circle so um we had a good uh, a good chuckle about that getting back to to the plate to to get the game going again
0: It really looked like you were having a lot of fun big smile on your face I think that's why we all do it doesn't matter what level you work, that 15U, all the way up to Premier 12. You need to enjoy what you're doing. For anybody who wants to see that clip, we will post a link and the timestamp to it in the show description. So go in, comment, like it, you know, all that fun stuff that you can do on social media these days. Well, Aaron, that pretty much wraps up our show today. I want to thank you for coming on and sharing with us your experiences a minor league, baseball, Canada and World Baseball Confederation and Softball Umpire. I also want to thank you for sharing some of your dreams and aspirations of the future. Is there anyone before you go that you'd like to send a shout-out to?
1: Uh, just to say thanks for, for having me. This is uh, You obviously put a lot of work into, into getting this put together, and uh, I think some of the, the umpires out there are enjoying this, especially when uh, some of us are stuck at home. So thanks for having me.
0: That concludes this episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Join us on the next episode, where we bring on Sean Wetherill and Brad Johnston, my 2019 Baseball Canada Championship crew, where we talk about what it's like to umpire a national championship from a crew perspective. But before you go, I would like to leave you with this. It doesn't matter how well the catcher frames the low outside pitch. Sometimes you're just naturally prone to miss it. Take care everybody
1: and stay safe.